Hello, and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire, and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. Hi, um, I'm Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on pretty much every social media at Ollie Fresh. It's fresh with a PH. My name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns, and you can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. I'm Noah. I use he, him pronouns, and you can find me on social media pretty much everywhere at The Jewish Jedi. Um, and today we're having a bit of a crossover episode, if you could not tell. Um, everyone here, except for me and Claire, obviously, is from RuPaul's Pod Race. I'm sure if you're listening to Fulcrum Transmissions podcast, you are also listening to, <laughs> to RuPaul's, but um, just in case you're not, uh, go check them out. Uh, everyone, everyone on this call and also uh, Jess and Claudia are phenomenal and funny and love to talk about Star Wars. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about uh, our favorite gay people in Star Wars. Uh, shocker, actually, because they're all gay people. <laughs> Mel did just put in the chat, uh, this is Star Wars TikTok uh, Multiverse of Madness. I want to be Wong. I call Wong, guys. <laughs> Which of us has to be Wanda? Mel, with your yeah. hair. I know, I was going to say, like, I think it's Mel because they have red hair right now. <laughs> oh my god, I win. Stay winning. You get to be, sorry, you have to be the Wanda. Are you Vision then? Is that what you're implying? Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, because there's some now there's just some drama on the call. We're talking about Mo- Star Wars now. Okay. Molly Vision. Actually, you guys have fun recording this episode. I'm gonna go. Just like Vision. Anyways, can we talk about gay people in Star Wars? Um, so my character is Caden Lardy. Um, I'm gonna give a brief bio. I don't think anyone who's listening to this needs to know more about Caden Lardy because I talk about her every single week. Um, But she's from the Ahsoka novel, which takes place in 18 BBY. Uh, She lives on the planet Raida with her sister Miara, where Ahsoka Tano ends up in hiding after the Clone Wars. After the Imperial occupation and the Raida uprising, uh, Caden and Miara move to a refugee camp on Alderaan. Thanks, Bail Organa. Anyway, um, and she eventually goes on to medical school and then works as a medic for the Republic. Um, and E.K. Johnston has stated that Caden identifies as queer and she does canonically have a crush on Ahsoka and they are my favorite Star Wars couple as they should be. I literally think every day about the scene where Ahsoka rescues Caden after she's been captured by the Empire and Caden says the like I could kiss you line and Ahsoka's like uh thanks and they just leave. Thank you so much for that scene, E.K. Johnson. Literally the best thing that ever happened to me. But anyway, I also just love that scene and like a lot of the scenes where like Caden is like fully crushing on Ahsoka because it truly is like, this is a 17 year old girl who has a crush. Like that is what it is. And it is written exactly that way. And I love them and I could talk about them for literal hours. But does anyone else have any thoughts about Caden Lardy? <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're wrong if you don't have thoughts on Kate and Lardy. I actually I agree. dislike Kate and Lardy so much. Sage, don't even like, joke about that. Don't <laughs> no, but like imagine, imagine. Real time podcast beef is occurring on the timeline. <laughs> oh my gosh, Fulcrum Transmissions is broken up. 
Yeah, this is actually an episode. This is a mediated conversation. That's why the three of us are here. Yeah. This is actually an interview for my replacement, which one of you <laughs> wants to do the phone call transmission? Oh my gosh. I feel like I love a competition show. This is just like American Idol. <laughs> just spilled coffee. It's fine. Oh. I love Kaden. Um, I think she is so slay. I do remember I had a coworker a little while ago who had a passive interest in Star Wars and he'd be like, yeah, no, I'm like trying to read the books, get into it. I'm like, do you want to hear about Kaden Lardy from the Ahsoka novel? Wouldn't that be cool if we talked about how there's a girl who has a crush on Ahsoka canonically? And he was always like, okay. <laughs> so that was fun. But Kaden holds a very special place in my heart. I feel like there's finally like representation there because all of the queer people that I know are in love with Ahsoka Tano. So it sort of tracks over in terms of like writing from your experiences. I think that's very accurate to reality. I'm hoping that the Ahsoka, the Ahsoka series that just started uh, production, uh, <laughs> we know that via uh, Instagram post. <laughs> Thanks Star Wars um, Instagram for that. But I think that the Ahsoka uh, show should have Caden Lardy in it, actually. Maybe that would be just such a such a great little thing. And also, um, yeah, queer people are really cool. Uh, I would hope that, you know, Ahsoka, you know, maybe kisses Caden Lardy on the mouth at some point on screen. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited for that. I really do like uh, the Ahsoka novel. It was one of the first Star Wars novels that I read. She's just so relatable. Like Noah was saying, I was like, oh my God, uh, me too. I also am a simp for Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And she has like chronic older sibling energy of like, I have to take care of my little sister, but like, hi, <laughs> like, like having a, having your queer moment and also like, okay, well, I have other I have other responsibilities I can't I can't focus on pretty girls even though I really want to um I also I'm trying to remember is it Caden because I know that one of the um Lardy sisters um are in one of the from a certain point of view books yeah it's Miara who becomes um she joins the Alderanian consular security and Caden becomes a medic but Miara goes on to, she's at the medal ceremony on Yavin 4 after like the Battle of Yavin is what that story is. And the one thing that I actually, well, there's like a million things I love about that story. But one of them is that she talks about receiving her first assignment from Fulcrum. And there's a line about how she had to like choose her words carefully when she told Caden about it because she knew it was Ahsoka. But it's like really ambiguous. And I'm like, did you tell Caden that Ahsoka gave you a mission or not or did you keep her name out of it because I really need to know and it's left really vague um I actually in my alternate universe of Star Wars canon is that Kaden and Ahsoka actually were dating at the end of this novel um and then they continued dating until after the war was over and then they got married but um unfortunately Star Wars canon doesn't want to give that to me so we actually don't really know where Caden ends up after the rebellion I would love to know that maybe Ahsoka sequel maybe Caden Lardy novel I would read it <laughs> Ahsoka 2 Corellian Drift I love the idea of Caden with the rebellion and she's like she's talking to like someone from the ghost she's talking to like Hera and she's like yeah I have a girlfriend and she's really cool and like I thought she died for like a like two years there but then she you know found out she was alive but no, it's really great. And just is like talking about her girlfriend. And then she's like, 
oh my god she's calling haha <laughs> hey ahsoka and Hera's like oh what okay and to be fair we we don't know what what's going on there they could be girlfriends in canon and they've just never mentioned it in fucking book of boba fett ahsoka's like sorry luke i gotta fucking go see my girlfriend right now so if you could just like talk to grogu or whatever bye my girlfriend and our little ward sabine wren our ward who's fully an adult our ward who's fully like 30 years old no ahsoka's like and this is my daughter she's like i'm taking care of her and sabine's like i'm 32 like i literally i can rent a car to be fair not to be that person but is that not kanan and harrow when they took zip in they're like this is our son he is older than us sorry to bring up zeb on this podcast no but unfortunately you are deeply deeply correct about that being the nature of their relationship like they introduce him and they like they talk about him to other people like he's this young child people meet him and he's like they're like he's 45 like i don't know why you've been talking about him like he's a teenager but my point is i think that that is that is ahsoka and sabine and kaden being like yeah i have like this sort of like it's not stepdaughter, but she's like, you know, she's like a daughter to me. And it's Sabine, who's like 15 years younger than her. Claire, any final thoughts on Kate and Lardy for you? The people around her who, oh, I could talk about the other characters in this novel for hours, but I will not, but I will not, are so like, they tease her, but it's playful. Like, they're so supportive. And it's just like that, that like found family from the Ahsoka novel is so perfect. Now I'm just thinking about the ones of them that died. Anyway, these are my glup shadows. Um, but Kate and Lardy above all else is my glup shadow. And also at the end of that novel, it's left really ambiguous as to whether her and Ahsoka ever saw each other again. Cause she's like, are we going to see each other again? And Ahsoka's like, it, it'll probably be a while. And then they like have this sad goodbye and I sobbed. Um, and so I would just like some closure on their relationship. And yeah, if they want to put her in the Ahsoka series, let's do it. Let them kiss on the mouth. So true. Might I advocate? I feel like I do this all the time of I'm like, okay, here's some random girl boss that we can replace Cara Dune with. However, literally either of the Lardy sisters, but I was going to say um, uh, Miara just because they're like the same age. I think that would be very slay. Lardy siblings in Mando season three when? I so agree. True. Absolutely. So the character that I have brought um, is the Ronin from the novel Ronin. Uh, from the Star Wars short, it's called The Duel, right? The Vision's sort of called The Duel. Yeah, I, I remembered it that way. But um, honestly, the best part about this book is that I could have brought about 90% of the principal cast and I would have showed up with a canon queer person because that's just like what was happening in this book. Um, but the Ronin is basically a, he's not, okay, he's from a Vision's novel. So he is a Sith, but not in the sense of like Jedi and Sith from the rest of Star Wars canon. Um he is, he's um, ambiguously, he's very, very bisexual. And he basically is just like an older grumpy dude. He feels that archetype that I love of gruff dad who's forced to take a journey with another person and learn to deal with them. Uh, I'm looking at you, Ellie and Joel from The Last of Us Part 1 and 2. We can't um, start with this now. I know, I know. We really can't you know, do it. So mentally ill and made it would be a problem. It. I love a journey of two gay people. Well, so and, um, true. What? I like Ronan a lot because as a novel, um, it focuses a lot on its characters and its story and what it has to say about diaspora and identity and the way that trauma affects people is really interesting. And like all of its characters are deeply touched by the events of their galaxy. Um, He's just a cool dude. Also, he has a lightsaber and a sheath. And there's a reason for that. Like textually, we learn why that is. But I'm just like, you're just really fun. He also has a droid. 
who wears a little hat, and he is one of my favorite droid characters in all of Star Wars. I am obsessed with that little guy. Okay, no, because I've just realized, is Ronan, the Ronan putting a hat on his droid, not a lot like a gay person dressing up their pet? It is exactly like that, actually. Like, it's I'm sort not of to like say how that, gay people like, will buy like a little frog hat for a cat. That's exactly that's what's happening here. Like, I'm not saying that it's like, oh, like I believe in droids, right? Like, it's not like, oh, this droid's a, like a pet, but it's like, wouldn't it be funny if you had a fun little outfit? Well, and they're kind of coordinated too. Like they have a little, they've got, they've got a color scheme. Okay. They've got a consistent aesthetic. I fear now that you've said that, I do want to see Chopper in a bow tie. Okay. Is Hera not like a, like an older millennial, like <laughs> who is posting pictures She's of her? She's a wine and pizza mom. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> no, Absolutely. My gosh, sorry that we continue to bring up the Rebels cast when we're not talking about them. We can't help it. They're just, they're just iconic. It's not any way that we can do anything about it. I do like the idea of the Ronin having millennial mom energy though. And like posing his little droid with Instagram filters and being like, no, look, he's like really cute, you guys. And his droid is like, please stop doing this to me all the time. I fear he is Gen X. Minions meme share the Ronin. (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, I do feel that's probably was listen, listen, he then this works because he and the other gay people on his little ship can all press play on the minion soundtrack that's coming out because BB Bridgers is on it. Oh, the Jack Antonoff produced the minion White soundtrack. Featured minion soundtrack. That has Diana Ross <laughs> and, and Carolyn Polachek. And Brock. Did you know about this? This is a Jack Antonoff produced album for the Minions movie (laughs) featuring. Can we pull it up? Hold on. Yeah, let me get it. Give me one sec. I have it. I love this. I love talking about Star Wars with these people. This is more important. Hold on. Um, here is the people who are on here. Her, Brittany Howard, Jackson Wang, (laughs) Bleachers, Phoebe Bridgers. Gem, uh, Way's Blood, uh, Callie Uchis, uh, Thundercat, <laughs> Caroline Polachek, St. Vincent, Brock Hampton. Okay, is wait. this a gay movie? Is the new Minions this movie? Is this is the movie about Gru. Gru is comes out. This yeah. is the movie where Gru comes out. Oh my god. Yeah, this is, and I'm just saying that the crew, that the Ronin and his little gay besties, they're pressing play on this one for sure. Here's the thing. They're like, oh, we want to listen to Phoebe Bridgers. He's like, I don't know who that is, but I do love the Minions <gasps> movie. And then they press play on that. And he's like, I love the song. I'm like, that's Phoebe Bridgers. Now, you know, he's listening to Moon Song for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just a little guy. hangs out with the Traveler, um, their besties. And they're listening to the new Minions movie soundtrack. <laughs> I don't know. Ronan is an interesting book because I like, I like how removed it is from the rest of Star Wars. I know we were talking canon queer characters and he is, but he's also not like, from canon per se. Um, but I do think he's one of the most interesting Star Wars characters and the way that his universe operates and that the Jedi and Sith operate in that universe is very slay. Uh, and I, this is this is just me plugging Ronan. If you haven't read it, you should read it. That's my, that's my spiel. So true. And the fact that like, it's not just like him being bisexual is just like, it's not like the centerpiece of his character it's not like the only thing that we know about him we know lots and lots of things about him and we also just know oh like also like he's a he's a little a little you know (laughs) um and like not just just that kind of like an in passing type like loki type beat where it's like oh yeah i dated around but like it's like oh no like he 
does actively like have like some feel in some type of way towards this like non-binary person and like ooh, interesting for those of you who have not read ronin yet um we do get into some pretty major spoilers here so if you don't want to hear those just skip forward about a minute until we get back to our spoiler free discussion and also i just i want to i want a sequel to the ronin book so bad mostly because i just want to deal i want to see the traveler the ronin and then the ronin's child i forgot their name i want to see what their kind of dynamic is i want to i want to see the traveler in their step parent era so true i also they're forgot not, to mention they're this, not a step parent they're a parent who stepped up <laughs> uh, and with that i think we can actually be done here i think enough is enough welcome to i also I, podcast thank you for listening i forgot to no. mention no mel just put in the chat a salamaru core <laughs> i've had enough Hey guys, remember when the Salamaro raised Elzar Man's kids? Wait, we're ending the podcast now. <laughs> oh my god, Alexa, play all too well by Taylor Swift. You guys are not normal. Sorry yeah. about that. I apologize on behalf I apologize on behalf of Group Helps Pod Race. Anyway, um circling back to Ronan. <laughs> I just forgot to mention I wanted to bring something about him and then I will be done. Um he is nicknamed Grim by the other character. <laughs> I think that's very fitting. He's just a very lightly upset grandpa. And I think that's very slay of him. So not to be the worst gay person actually ever, um, but I have not read Ronin. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I'm so- no, I'm so sorry because I just spoiled the Yeah, it was book. like spoilers so for Ronin, I guess. Like that's Damn. a major like that's like a like a last like 10% of the book plot twist. Yeah. It's totally fine. I'm yeah. gonna read it eventually. I just have to get to it um it's a really fast read like I will plug it to everyone listening like I read it in like the span of like like two days when I actually sat down and read it like it is a quick read and it's very fast paced it's really good and it's like all gay people sorry for spoiling it in its entirety well actually there's a couple things we didn't go over and we will just leave those to the void um because yeah I will just say there is a character who is um I would say Asajj Ventress adjacent if that is anything to push push people towards the good the good word of of Emma Candon, it's also just like aside from being like beautifully written, I like the fact that it's not canon because it's this like it's within the Star Wars universe, but there's still like world building to be done. Where I'm not like oh I know this era like I know everything about it already, but these are some new people. It's like a completely different concept than anything we've seen before or like had in any other books um and yeah it's all gay people so I will also say um my advice for reading it is to just completely like whatever whenever whatever associations you have with the word Jedi and Sith just really try to drop those at the door when you read this book because they have almost like no real relation to the way that the force works in this universe um but it is a very fun read it's very interesting and also, you can then rewatch the duel, the vision short, and it has a lot more context, and it's way more fun that way. Also, make vision season two now, Disney. I'm in your walls. Get it started. I want vision. They are working on it. Yeah, they are like, working on it. I want them to release it. I want to see. <laughs> no. Now, just because you've said that, they're not going to. <laughs> I want to see a second part to the duel, and it's just Koru and Akia going on a date. Anyways. I will pay money for that right now. I will get my credit card this very instant. <laughs> I love Noah funding Disney Plus. Yeah, they're kind of an indie brand. They need a Kickstarter to get this funded. No, Noah as an influencer could probably get them a lot of positive traction. Um, and I guess I can go next because speaking of books that have uh, 
an almost entirely queer main cast, I am going to be talking about Cantum Psy from the High Republic. Cantum Psy is my best friend. Um, they are non-binary. They are from the High Republic. Um, and their kind of story, they are introduced, I believe their first mention is in the High Republic, High Republic Adventures comics. Um, they are the master of Lula Talasola, who is also gay. That And that is basically their role. They are also a main character in Midnight Horizon by Daniel Jose Older. And they have a very long conversation with one of the other main characters, Comac, who is also gay, <laughs> about how they had this, this romance, but also like this life journey when they were figuring out what their future was with the Jedi. And one of the things that I really love about Cantum Psy is the fact that they are First of all, they are non-binary. There is no like, oh, gender crisis. Oh, we have to define what it means to be non-binary. Like they just, they just are. What I also really like about them is it's not super common to see a representation of a non-binary love story or even like romance because a lot of the time, so much time is devoted to like, what's going on with their whole gender thing? But it's like, no, they're just, they're, it, it very much shows like this person is just, a, is, is a person. And I feel like it is one of the first moments, especially in Star Wars, but it is one of the first moments in a major franchise that I've been like, oh, that non-binary person who is a main character has a plot other than them being, oh, their gender's not like everything. Like, I just think Cantum Psy is really cool. And they get to experience like not only a romance, but also like a huge journey of self-discovery and also like being a parent in, a, in the way that Jedi can be parents. And having these relationships and it's just I'm obsessed with them also they're just like a great character in general like spoilers for Midnight Horizon slash the entire back half of this phase of the High Republic but when Starlight Beacon is like well she's having a bit of a rough day um when that's happening Cantum is like oh I didn't mean to make a rough day fun <laughs> wig. anyway um no but like basically Cantum <laughs> Mel, god damn it. Get sweet girl Torben Buck out of this chat right now. I'm just Actually, trying to talk about how much I love Cantum Sai. <laughs> Let's take it from the top. All right, Noah. Anyway, series start on Noah. Um, Cantum like reaches out and they're like, oh, okay, things are going really, really poorly for basically all the people that I care about who are not presently on Corellia. And Comac is like, I am freaking out because I'm not good at this part. And Cantum is like, I'm going to be stable right now. I'm going to get control of myself and really like process the fact there's a really heartbreaking scene in Midnight Horizon where they like feel that Lula may be in like serious grave danger. And they're like, okay, however she has to handle that, she will handle it. It will be fine. I have to go deal with my shit. And I'm like, I'm in love with you. Like their mind is just so powerful. And they like, they get to be good queer representation while also being a fascinating character who has like a very like brilliant arc instead of stories and I remember when I was picking up Midnight Horizon and people were like there are gays in this book and I was like uh, yeah sure there are buddy and then I was like reading through it and I was like no this is like romance like that was my heart that was my heart stopper actually <laughs> Cantum Size Summer Romance is my heart stopper the day I flipped the page in that book to a flashback love story for Cantum Psy was literally the best moment of my life <laughs> no okay Elzar Man may have canonized fucking but Cantum Psy canonized lovemaking. And I stand by that. And you're so brave for saying that. 
many of the other influencers are not stepping up and talking about this issue. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to talk about it. That's why I, that's why I brought them today was because I wanted to say that line. Um, not too true. Many people credit, too many people credit Elzar Man with inventing fucking, but not enough people credit Cantum Sai with inventing lovemaking. Absolutely. Where it's due. Absolutely. I agree. Which is, and it's very funny for, I am obsessed with Midnight Horizon. It is such a good book. And I'm obsessed with the amount of times that lo- the word lovemaking is said in this, in this YA novel. Um, but no. surprising that this is going to turn into us plugging Midnight Horizon. <laughs> Cantum is also just very special because we do get to see like them, like forming their, forming their bonds. And we get to see a lot of like how their mind works and like how they think about things and it's funny because as an non-binary person I'm like I love that I love it and I think a lot of the times we see like queer characters be like oh I'm the empathetic best friend who's like I'm here but it's like there are times where Cantum's like I'm gonna do my own shit and like I'm having emotions right now that don't depend on other people and I think that that's great because we don't get that a lot a lot of it's like oh I'm haha I'm the non-binary best friend who uses they them pronouns but not Cantum. Cantum's like, I'm I'm my own person. Sorry. What I was gonna say was I also enjoyed that Cantum Psy, um, their backstory is once again like not their their foundational thing. It's not like, oh my god, I have to come out to fucking Yoda. I'm so sorry. If I had to read Cantum Psy coming out to Yoda, I might have to like, I don't know. This is the thing, is like if they did come out to Yoda, Yoda like I mean they did at some point, and Yoda was probably just like, hmm rad that is fine that is do a trick with your lightsaber you should mm, do a flip mm, use the force you will <laughs> i i agree um <laughs> he's like he's like that's so cool anyway can we get back to training <laughs> that is i fear comac core in midnight horizon there's that scene where wreath and him like are <laughs> training and wreath like should we talk <laughs> I'm like, anyways great job bye <laughs> I'm gonna go cry to Orla now. True. I'm waiting I mean, for the day that we can add. I'm waiting for the day we can add Wreath Silas to our canon queer characters list. The day is coming. I know it. So true. I can't start talking about about Wreath <laughs> Silas. I, yeah. To be completely honest. I've if been... I start talking about Bell Zetafar and Wreath Silas, <laughs> being boyfriends are gonna. Oh my be god! Here. It's so crazy. I feel like on this call are the people who have talked about the three of them probably the most, per, like just in general. Like, you know, the Tumblr meme that's like Spiders George has eaten a thousand spiders. That is like, like the average person talks about Bell Reef maybe like one hour every day. And it's like, no, that is a statistical error. The host of the host of Rupelp's pod race and fulcrum transmissions are outliers and should not have been counted. Everyone should go look up the Bell Reef tag on AO3 <laughs> and see how many of them are written by me and Noah. <laughs> Called out quite directly, but yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Sage and I are dominating the bell wreath tag on AO3. Oh my gosh, I know um Claudia, one of the other hosts of RuPaul's Pod Race, did come for my neck the other day because she was like, "How many of these bell wreath fix were written by you?" And I was like, "None." And she was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so I feel like I've been given an assignment now. So if anyone has any fitting. anyone. Anyone has any bell wreath to fix suggestions? You can at me on Twitter at Ollie Fresh. Anyway, Cantum Psy, you're my best friend and you're so epic. And also, okay, something else I love about Cantum Psy is that they have a lot of meaningful relationships 
And it's just like, I, everything about Cantum Psy is so exciting to me because I'm like, oh my God, a non-binary person doing literally anything. Like Cantum Psy could like, there'd be like a comic panel of them like eating dinner. I'd be like, oh my God, they're eating dinner. That's so cool. First Um, non-binary character in Star Wars to eat dinner. (laughs) No, but that is how I feel about them. I'm like, oh my God. Like, they're like, yeah, this is my bestie Torben Buck. And I'm like, oh my God, they have friends. I think that um, Cantum Psy gave us one of the best like lessons that I've ever learned in Star Wars, uh, which is pretty much the entire premise of the book Midnight Horizon, which is like to love and let go. Uh, and I, <laughs> this is also carries on into the uh, standalone comic book, uh, the High Republic Adventures Bake Off. Um, that was literally the best thing I've ever read in my no. life. Also by Daniel Jose Holder. Listen, the Bake Off, the way that people acted about the Joker, that was the Bake Off for me. I was like, I'm a bad person now. This is this is my entire personality. Yeah, I agree that the Bake Off was literally the best thing to ever happen in the Star Wars franchise. Because again, it's just like Cantum Psy being awesome for like a full comic issue. And that's exactly what I needed it to be. Um, but yeah, this whole message of like to love is to let go is so like, because when you hear that, you immediately think of Jedi and you're like, okay, yeah, like attachment, non-attachment, whatever. Um, but like Cantum Psy embodies that in a way that I don't think any other character really does. And just the way that like, even like we were saying, like in these horrible situations that they find themselves in, in this novel, they are able to like pause and be like okay I can't do anything for the people that are not here right now so that's where my focus is going to be and I have to trust like Lula and all the people who I love back on Starlight to take care of themselves right now because I can't do it for them and that is something that is so admirable and something that like we really don't see in characters um and we don't even see it in the other characters in that novel to that extent because that is where that like not quite conflict, but sort of conflict between them and Comat comes in is where they like disagree on how to handle things. But Cantum Psy is always this like calming presence and is able to like help the people around them to find that sort of center and calm within themselves in the way that like they have been learning their whole life how to do it. And we see them learning it because we got these flashbacks. I will also say, I mean, we talk a lot about on uh, the internet about like, who's the perfect Jedi? I think it's a dumb question, but I do think that Cantum is one of the characters who most fully embodies the ideals of the Jedi Order in terms of like the idea of being able to love and let go because the amount that they care for um, other characters is still huge. However, they're never weighed down by that. And so they can still do and deal with things like Comac is like, I got to run into the woods. I've had enough. My time has come. Um, and Cantum is able to really balance the stress of like, oh shit, things are really bad. And also I can still stay calm and like do what I need to do in the situations that I'm being involved in. And I think that they are quite iconic for that. Absolutely. I think something that I'm really interested to see and like, depending on where phase three of the higher public takes us is like, if the little squad at the end of Midnight Horizon does end up like what they end up doing, because like, are they going to go and look for the people who are missing and is there going to be conflict I think it'd be really interesting to see conflict between like Cantum and Zine and being like we need to go look for Lula and our little friends and Cantum being like well we do have a lot of other shit that we do need to deal with and we need to learn to let go and having that be 
like I, I I think this is something else I love about like the Bake Off, but also about like the beginning, like the flashbacks in Midnight Horizon is that Cantum is allowed to not be perfect. Like I think a lot of the times we'll get characters who represent a certain identity and it's like, oh, they are the pinnacle of what that is. But it's like you get a character like Cantum who's allowed to make quote unquote mistakes, but is allowed to take time and is allowed to be like, am I like I'm not perfect and I'm not doing everything perfectly. And I think that that's just, it's really neat because you see them being like, I'm really unsure of myself. And I'm really like, like in the bake-off being like, there's, I'm problem, I'm having issues right now, but we're going to work it out with the power of friendship. But I think that it would be really interesting to see them, not just as they are with Comac, where there's a little conflict. Like, I want to see them at odds. Like, I want to dive more into Cantum. Like, I want to hear from their POV. I could read like an entire, like... <laughs> Theron style two trilogies about Cantum Psy. So like the, the Psy ascendancy. <laughs> the assignedency. Okay, well, everyone just went blank faced. So wow. Sorry, I'm not allowed to be funny. Uh Claire, go ahead and remove Ollie from the Zoom call. <laughs> no, I'm being removed from the call. Um, so while we're talking about Midnight Horizon, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about my character who I'm bringing to the table. Shocker, it's seen Marala. Uh it's <laughs> now who is that? Uh, um so you may not know her. We've never talked about her on this podcast before. Yeah. Is is this a new character? I feel like you guys have never covered this yeah. one before. I think it'd be cool. I mean, I've never I know that I have never mentioned or even heard of that character, and I certainly wasn't just talking about her. <laughs> um yeah, Zine Marala uh is is probably one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Um, she is a main character in the High Republic Adventures. Uh, not sorry, not novel. I fucking wish um, <laughs> comic book series, and also in um, Midnight Horizon and Race to Crash Point Tower. Anyways, uh, she is one of my favorite characters because I am obsessed with her story and how it was written. Uh, because she starts out, we find her on uh, a planet called Trimant 4 with her cult, uh, which is called the the Elders of the Path or something. Oh my gosh, just like Marcian Rowe. Anyways, I <laughs> so sorry to bring up that name on this podcast. Um but yeah, she she's part of this group of people who hate uh, force users. And she, I'm so sorry, I'm reading the chat. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is something we deal with on RuPaul's a lot. <laughs> I, I forget that not everyone is equipped to just be like, whatever the fuck you guys are talking about, get out of here. Marcian Rowe was at the Solar Power Tour. Um, he was the reason that Lord needs to start shushing again during Rider in the Dark. <laughs> He was like, I wonder if we shout loud enough, she'll play bravado live. He was in the crappy, like, play yellow flicker B. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't, I know I can't do this, but I'm also, okay. The Lord Updates account during the Solar Power Tour was like, oh, she played team. Perhaps if we yell loud enough at her concert, she'll play bravado live. <laughs> and also she's like, Oh, I shouldn't shush her anymore during Writer in the Dark. And then I heard a clip of someone singing at her show. And I was like, you should start shushing again, actually. Many of the other girls in the audience do not have the range for that one, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help but talk about Lord. Anyways. 
Um, Zine is a, uh, a character who lives in a society that hates force users, and she is a force user. Uh, and she doesn't tell anybody because everyone would hate her. Um, and mm, maybe that's run familiar uh, for some certain people who read this comic series and we'll talk about that but uh yeah and then you know she gets uh found because by lula telesola and cantum sai because she is on the planet that has been uh affected by these great emergences which are pretty much things that fly out of the sky out of hyperspace and like collide with planets at light speed and a lot of people died uh, but she was saved because Lula, who is a, a, a Jedi Padawan and also a gay person, come, comes up to her and is pretty much fighting off the Nihil and also helping these people through the emergences. And then a big emergence comes out of the sky and Zine realizes that the Jedi don't see it and that they're going to get crushed. And so she she steps in and uses the force. Um, to save Lula and all the other Padawans right in front of her entire people, her entire society, and they all see her using the Force. Um, this society, unfortunately, includes uh, one Crix Camerat, who I would I would throw a rock at. Um, she... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I would. Um, I really hate him because he's homophobic uh, and I don't like homophobic people. <laughs> Anyways, um, he's one of Star yeah. Wars's first canonic homophobes. <laughs> he really so is. True. He just like, okay, Elzar Man canonized fucking, Cantum <laughs> Side canonized lovemaking, Crick's camera canonized homophobia. Crick's, I let me, hate let me, let me you. just say this. Let me just say this. If I saw Crick's bleeding out by the side of the road, and I drove past, I put my car in reverse and I go over him a second time. <laughs> I like that. This is, I love this. I, this. Man, this child is just nasty. Yeah. This child's vibes are rancid. <laughs> so basically then, um, Crix goes off with Markeon Rowe, who is, mm, and he, you know, is like, oh, okay. I saw my best friend use the force and that's like super against my beliefs. And I now like feel super betrayed that she wouldn't tell me that. Um, so I'm going to leave her. And then Zine goes off with, um, with the Lula and the other Padawans and, um, and Cantum Sai and is upset because she just like lost her best friend uh, and her home all because she used the force uh, Anyways, what I'm getting at is this is very reminiscent of a very typical queer experience. Uh, and this is very, you know, it, it's a central part to her character and to her development. It's a huge thing that happens in her life uh, and affects her all the way up until the end of uh, Midnight Horizon, basically, is when, you know, we see her come to terms with Cricks and, uh, by basically saying you're trash and I don't care about you and nothing you can do uh, affects me anymore. So true of her, actually. I literally cried while reading that scene, both in the comic and in the novel. Um, I just read that scene sometimes. Anyways, and you know, she also though is a, she the story has the payoff of her also being queer, 
which is my favorite part because um I love her and I love her and Lula um they're my favorite ship in all of Star Wars if you couldn't tell already by the way that I talk about them every single day um yeah but she's my favorite and I love her so much and I hate Kirk's camera a lot one of the great things about about zine and it's something is that we will see a lot of stories that are like allegories for something that don't end up actually being like relating to what they are an allegory for like for example zine's narrative is so clearly an allegory for like queerness and for coming out and for having to deal with the ramifications of that so it is really a second level of like oh and she's actually actually gay like it's not just a just a little he he it's about that but it's not about that but like no it is about that yeah that's what I was gonna I was gonna say something akin to that um where like I feel like her story is not just about coming out it's in in the way that like love simon feels like it's just about like he's like oh i'm gay and like tee um this felt more like she's like okay it's so, like i'm a force user but it's much more of her like dealing with like this like this this internal struggle with herself um and like that she needs to just like have her her found family and like move on um and that is something i really love about zine's story i also just i also think about that scene where she's like you're just some kid I knew. You don't mean shit to me. Die. Goodbye. Um, I, I think my favorite part of that scene also, because I was crying when I read it, but I was also laughing very hard because they are in Yoda's office. So I'm just imagining like they're in these like little like kindergarten sized chairs. She's like, fuck you. Bye. <laughs> like He's just like sitting almost on the ground, like squatting, screaming, crying, throwing up. And I think that's very powerful. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, so true. Thank you, Daniel, for all the gay people. Um, the fact that two of the ones we're talking about are from Daniel Zolder. So true of him. I do you believe um, he has written? He has written three of the because I know he has written Leox, oh, which yeah, is a spoiler right. for who you're about to talk about. But he has spoilers for fulcrum transmissions. <laughs> spoilers for Mel. Um, <laughs> This is not just specific to Zine, like it applies to like queer characters in Star Wars in general, but I like the fact that since it's a fantasy universe, there's not like a point where she's like, I have a crush on Lula, but like she's a girl and so I can't pursue it. Like that never comes up. It's never a question of like gender or who she's attracted to. It's just like that she's a Jedi and so that means it's more complicated for them. Um, and I just really like that because like First of all, like you said, her story is inherently a queer allegory, so we get that. But it's also like, I don't need to read about homophobia. Like, I really don't. Um, it exists in the real world every single day. And like, for me and for a lot of people, Star Wars is a form of like escapism. Um, and so to be able to read a story about two young queer people, like finding each other in the midst of all this chaos and like navigating their feelings in a way that's like so honest I think I would say like some of these scenes in Minute Horizon like the one that comes to mind in particular is when we see Zine leave this like recorded message for Lula when she goes off to Corellia and it's just her like alone I think she's I don't know if she's on the ship or wherever she is just like saying everything she feels and just like putting it into words and then sending it off to Lula and it's like such an honest moment for her where she like she even like restarts it a couple times and then she's like you know what I'm just gonna say everything that I'm thinking because like I don't have to hide who I am around you and I think that like 
that is the core message of their story. But like you said, it has the payoff of them actually being queer. I also, um, something you mentioned that I, I feel is very true of their story is that like her story about queerness is just as impactful as a story that's like big on homophobia and homophobic story tropes. Like I think actually seeing a queer character get to grow and to have her growth come from a place of like, like the reason she's able to feel comfortable in herself is because she develops these positive, strong relationships with other people around her. And like, she feels validated and seen by them is just so iconic because I feel like a lot of times whenever queer people in, in stories have to be like, okay, I'm coming out, I'm figuring it out, I'm experiencing bigotry from others. The narrative is always like, you have to love yourself no matter what. Like you're gonna, you're, you have to get there. Like, you know, the pride is really important, but for her, it's more an affirmation of interpersonal relationships where people are like, you are a valid human being who deserves to be who you are regardless. And we will defend you for that. Like sometimes literally because she's being shot at and they're like, try it, <laughs> give it your best shot. Um, but I, I just, I find that narrative very powerful. And um, I remember reading Minute Horizon, the, the gayest book, which is why I love it. Um, and being like, this is the best book ever because like her feelings like everyone's emotions in that book are so up here but her having to be like I have to fight and deal with what's going on right now for Lula like if I'm gonna make it back to her I have to survive in the here and now obsessed also I just need her I, I need more content of her and Reef hanging out I need to start we need to start turning the production wheel on that one absolutely I'm saying I think for phase three I'd mentioned it I think that this is a really interesting concept is like that squad the end of Midnight Horizon squad being like, oh, we need to solve problems. And there's a bunch of people who are still missing. <gasps> okay, here's how it works. There's a bunch of people who are still missing. So that squad, plus who else is looking for people who are missing, Bell's at a far. So it's that squad hanging exactly. out, looking for, the, looking for <laughs> all it. the besties. We've done it. That's exactly what happens. Um, Wreath and Zine love their dynamic so much, actually. Also, I, th I think it's really funny how not so much in Midnight Horizon, but um, definitely at some point in his character, Wreath has been like, oh my gosh, violence. Oh no. Remember when he like cut someone's arm off and he was like, oh my God, that's going to affect me for the rest of my life. That's Elzor so bad. man is <laughs> shaking and crying. Elzor man <laughs> wishes he was reassigned. And then we have Zine who literally tried to shoot Marshall out of the sky just for fun, really. She actually, okay, so true of Zine Rala to be like 15 years old and just be the closest one to kill Markian Rao. She fully embodies fuck around and find out. That yeah, is who it. she is and I love her for that. Um, I also, I just want to quick go back to what Noah was saying because I, I was thinking about it and I do think that like this, this narrative, um, like Zine's like coming out narrative, whatever you want to call it, this queer narrative, um, I think is also really cool and um, different than a lot of other ones in mainstream media in the sense that like I feel like Noah like Noah was saying like there's this idea of like rugged individualism of like you have to like do this on your own and like like sure there's like a queer community but like you need to this is a battle you have to face on your own but like Zine's strength comes from the fact that she has supports around her and like she was at her her quote-unquote weakest when she was around people who cared about the idea of her but not her actually as a person um and i just i don't know i'm obsessed with that love um zine rala and her relationship with lula Talasola. i think that just seeing like okay 
not to be like weird or like not not weird that's not what I was gonna say not to be emotional on Maine but the fact that like seeing a sapphic couple in a comic series that's aimed towards younger readers and it have the like best representation of that in that I've seen at least in Star Wars um is phenomenal like if I read this as a closeted like 14 year old I it's it wouldn't be triggering at all I feel like sometimes when you read media about queer people and there's like homophobia involved even if the ending is good and it's like oh like look you can overcome it I'm like okay but what why would I want to go through that ever (laughs) like anyways like why would I but this was such a good like I'd be like oh wow look at this person who found people who are like them and also like love them for who they are and not just like who they want them to be you know like I feel like like Crick's definitely loved Zine in a way that he or at least he thought he did like you see that they had a there's a flashback in the night horizon where they're like younger before everything happened and he really truly like seems to care about her you know and cares about if she's alive or not and Zine was kind of like okay you liked that person who you made me to be like in your head but like that's not really who I am I had to hide a part of myself the entire time I was with you and that's a very um that was a very upsetting (laughs) like I literally like reading that chapter I was like oh my god I'm letting her cry right now and I did um but also I cried the entire Midnight Horizon novel like I cried the whole time yeah I think exactly what you're saying of like it not being triggering to read even though like there are like hard points in her story and I think that I also like that about it is that it's not like sugarcoating it I guess like it's never like oh her society didn't accept her but like it's totally fine and cool and like she's great now because she found new people like she has hard moments but I think what makes those easier to read is the fact that someone is there like Lula there's so many moments where like zine is having a hard time or she's thinking about cricks or like she's conflicted about everything that's happened and lula is always right next to her and not only does that like build their relationship but it also just makes it easier as a reader to read these hard moments for um for zine who is still a teenager at this point and be like okay it sucks that she's going through this but like she has a support system and like it does end in a better place than where she started by a long shot Yeah, I think that um, so often in queer literature written by straight people that's like trying to appeal to a queer audience, the narrative is that you survive homophobia uh, by perseverance and not by community. And I think that that is not a representative experience in a lot of ways because personal perseverance only takes you so far. Like you can muscle through those experiences and like at least in my experience, you had to, but it doesn't solve the fact that like long-term acceptance and long-term ultimate peace within a queer identity comes from surrounding yourself with a community of other queer people, or at least of other people who are deeply supportive of who and what you are and how that shapes your life experiences. And I think it's so affirming um, for her story to be revolving around the fact that like, yeah, she could have worked really hard just to like be constantly self-accepting, but like she still struggles with that sometimes. There are a couple great scenes throughout both the comics and Bennett Horizon where like she's unsure of herself, but it is her ultimate, ultimately it is, the people who she's been surrounded by who empower her to feel confident and stable in both her identity and her convictions. And I'm like, yeah, could we get more of that, please? Like all the time, actually? Like if you're going to write queer characters, get out a pen and paper and start taking notes because 
we need to start doing this a lot more often. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone in this call was growing up. That was not much of a thing that you could find. Like the, the first gay movie that I, the first gay story that I saw as a child was Brokeback Mountain. So that was not a good start. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it may have affected me, honestly, but that's not important. Um, but I think that it's just, it's very beneficial that younger queer kids have somewhere to look of a positive story where we don't know the conclusion of it yet, but I trust, I am hoping that it will go well. It's time. We're going to talk about Leox Jossie. Yes! Oh Let's go! <laughs> Leox Jossie is a little gentleman <laughs> um, from the High Republic. Um, his first appearance is in Into the Dark. Um, Leox is the pilot of the vessel, which is a ship um, that is owned by one Affy Hollow. Um, and Affy is like a like a 17-year-old girl. And Leox, in a lot of ways, not legally, is her ward. He's her cool uncle who's like, I smoke weed. And she's like, okay, <laughs> our best friend's a rock. Um, and they're just like this iconic trio and leox is like the the quote-unquote adult i mean who knows about geode's age let's talk i know ollie is really preoccupied with lasat age i'm preoccupied with vintian age because i think that geode had a cameo in rise of skywalker but i won't talk about it right now because this is about leox this is leox time leox um is canonically asexual um and they like have a pretty clear-cut conversation about it i feel like in a lot of star wars um no shade to Ray Sloan, but like how we find out that Ray Sloan is bisexual is that she's like, well, I don't take much time off to hang out with men or woman, women or whatever the fuck. Anyway, she's an Imperial. Sorry. I'm not to once again drag Ray Sloan, but Leox is like, no, I just am asexual essentially. Um, and I liked, I just liked that conversation. I think it's because, you know, I had just finished reading Light of the Jedi where I was like, okay, this is an adult novel and then like the YA novel was like well let's talk about like other facets of the galaxy and also like not necessarily from a Jedi's point of view so like this entire scene is with Affy where she's like damn that's crazy the Jedi do not fuck and <laughs> Leox is like I don't either anyways can we go get going we have a, a Maxine station to get to and then they do and Leox like his entire narrative is just like he's this like very um, against the, like, stereotype of, like, asexual characters in media where, like, they're, like, these, like, cold, calculating, like, sexless beings. He's kind of the opposite. He's, like, very fun and, I don't, don't want to, calling him bubbly doesn't feel quite right. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word to put this. Um, <laughs> I keep on wanting to say high on his own supply. That is not, well, it's true. He is. He canonically <laughs> is. Canonically That's fair. He's silly. He's a silly little guy. Um, the way that he like it interacts with the world, um, he's very spiritual and like kind of um hippie-esque. And the hippies who in a histor our historical context are like these very sexual people, he's like, No, I'm good. Anyways, and I just think that's really cool. Also, in the Fallen Star, like, he's the backbone. He is for a good for I would say a good th two thirds of that book. I was like, Leox you're keeping this shit together. It's you and Astala Maru holding Starlight Beacon together, <laughs> just in two very different ways. Two pretty um, best friends, if they had gotten the chance to if meet. If they had gotten a chance to meet, 
Estelle Marlowe and Leah no. Jossi, that is an iconic duo. Are you kidding? It would have been over for Mark Yonrow. <laughs> Starlight Beacon would have stuck together. No, oh, literally. Yeah, Mark is screaming, crying, throwing up because Estelle is like, okay, I'm, I've got it. And Lux is like, okay, tee-hee-hee, I've got all the all of our little besties all together. Um, but yeah, he he keeps his shit together. When there was that brief moment in Fallen Star, the darkest moment of the book, in my opinion. <laughs> Was when we think Leox is dead because he's just like goodbye <laughs> and gets sucked out of the ship and everyone's like hello. Affie's screaming, crying, throwing up because she's like, oh my god, how the fuck am I gonna geode out of here? Um, and <laughs> just he's so good and he's just such like a cool interpretation of like a stoner esque character who's like has more personality than just like I like doing drugs he likes doing drugs and he's also cool leox is probably one of my favorite star wars characters like he's in my top five for sure i think something that i love too is that he is he has so many like quote-unquote identities that would that have so many like very entrenched stereotypes about them and he manages to subvert all of them so it's like he is he's canonically ace but he's also extremely warm and extremely like like he has this very like not like fatherly feeling to him, but he has a very like comforting, very like a very caretaker way about him. He's a stoner, but he's also like incredibly smart and is like basically in the fallen star is the bitch who's like, hey, wait, I think there might be some messed up dogs on this station who are hurting the Jedi. Like he's, he is figuring it out. And like, he is very inventive too. Like he's just, he finds a way to be the person who's like, I'm going to fill, I'm going to fill the niche I need to fill right now. And I think that that's a very, that's a very special type of character. I think that he exemplifies the literal perfect archetype of like your weirdly cool uncle insofar as the relative where like, you're just talking over lunch or something. And then he'll mention something that you're like, can you go back to that? Like, I'll be like, yeah. And then back in the war and you're like, what? (laughs) Can we circle back around to what you just said? Like, I'm obsessed with him. I also, um, I'd say that he has the personality of a rock, but like, because he's around Geode, that's a compliment because they're both amazing characters who I love. The, one of my favorite moments in Into the Dark is this, when we get this flashback to, I think it might literally be his first time meeting Affie or like one of their earliest meetings where he tells her that he's asexual. But like, and this is like, for me personally, I loved it because like you said, Mel, and like, a lot of times asexual people are presented either as like a stereotype is like cold calculating like blah 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 or it's also this idea that like oh all asexual people like hate sex and think it's gross and like don't and I'm and it's just not true and like the way that Leox talks about being asexual in that scene it's good for me personally because it like is really close to how I feel like as an asexual person but it's also just like a different view on it than we really ever see and particularly like in a Star Wars novel was not something that I ever expected to read um and it's just in this way where he's like it's not for me but like you know that's fine and then they just kind of move on but it's not this whole moment where he's like sex is terrible and like I it's awful and no one should and like I don't know. I just really appreciate that. And I appreciate that he got to like have that moment rather than it just being like some passing comment. Like he got to have a moment to like actually break down what that meant for him because it can mean a lot of different things. So like just to say a character is asexual, but like we get to know what that means to him personally and like what his personal experience with asexuality is. 
Um, and that's something that like I as a reader really appreciated and is something that is valuable for people to read who might not necessarily, who might only have like one narrow idea of what asexuality is because of how it is often presented in media to have a character like Leox to present it in a different way is like really valuable as a reader. Having Leox there in the way he is spell it out so clearly is so helpful. I think that Leox is like the epitome of the pillar of the community character because you could see Leox and be like, oh, he's kind of doing his own thing. He's a little different, different strokes or different folks kind of deal. But despite the fact that it's like, oh, well, he's ace, so he's isolated. Like, no, he is so involved in like this little found family that he has. But also when we see him in the context of a larger community, like in The Fallen Star, and even in Into the Dark, when they like take on passengers, like he is very clearly someone who is extremely invested and extremely like emotional and very interested in the well-being of other characters. And I think that that's a really, it's really neat. And it's nice. I'm obsessed with the relationship between him and Affie, her being someone who like does not really have parents and him being someone who's like, I got my own things going on. Where's the next, where's the vessel crew? I hope they're well. I do think that like, is like going along with what you're saying, he really is like the heart of so many stories that like he is a part of. Um, and you can tell with everything that he's in, even when he like made an appearance in Higher Public Adventures, like he's very much the loving, like a very loving person to everyone around him, which is so true of him though, you know? I, but one of my favorite parts of The Fallen Star is where Geode is flirting with- um, Pika Adrian? Yes. <laughs> I think about this scene all the time. All the time. I'm literally obsessed with it. And Leox is like, oh, well, like, I don't, I don't know. He's fine. Like, it's going to be whatever. And Affy or Affy, no, Affy says it. Affy's like, oh, well, like, it's fine. Like, they're not going to hook up or whatever. <laughs> She's like, you should know better than anyone that like, not all like love has to be sexual. And he was like, so true Affy like so true of you to say that and that was actually I think (laughs) yes that I think the relationship between the idea of geode being okay this is also something very funny because Leox is like the person if you were to just look at a picture of the vessel crew Leox is he has a very deep v-neck he has he's wearing he's wearing beads I feel like he would wear a puka shell necklace if he had the chance. Um, But it's like, he is probably the one that you would look at and be like, oh, he's probably the one who's having dalliances. No, it's the literal rock. He is the horn dog of the vessel crew. And it's like, you would think like, oh, he's this sexless being because he's a rock. No, there is a point in the fallen star where Leox is like, don't worry guys. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'll sit between Geode and Pika Adrian so that there's no... There's no chance of anything happening. Don't worry, guys. I'll be a buffer. They are all or nothing. No, <laughs> you're done. And with that, I think we're good to be finished. Actually, this was really fun, you guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to go. How come it's only when I say something that everyone's like, oh, podcast over? It's usually when I say something. So I'm really glad to not be that person. <laughs> you know what? It's nice. This is what happens when you stand Bo-Katan. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember um, Claire put in the chat that Geo danced with a man in the Higher Public Adventures annual. You know, why aren't we talking about Geode as our as our gay representation today? That's actually, mm, that's homophobic of us. Sorry. Like, no, sorry. I also like the implication that any character that we have not mentioned today is now straight. <laughs> like, we're like, sorry, these are the only ones we're gatekeeping.
Sorry, Comac. Sorry, Afra. <laughs> you guys are straight now. I love Zine Morales' heterosexual girlfriend, Lula Talasola. <laughs> Her heterosexual life partner, Lula Talasola. Okay, also what I will say about Leox, um, and this is completely devoid of a conversation about canonical queerness, I do think if he had simply given Stellan Geos a blunt, the fallen star would have ended differently. Okay, it's a, a lot like the scene. It's exactly the same scene as at the end of Into the Dark when Bez is like about to have a seizure and he's like, hold on, I have something medicinal that can help. And it works. And Comac and Orla are like, oh my God, it worked. And he's like, yeah, because it was medicinal this whole time. He no. needed to do that to Stellan. You know what he had to, he should have done, he should have fucking hotboxed Starlight Beacon and then maybe the leveler would have calmed the fuck down. Mel, I'm obsessed with the way Who your is- mind works. <laughs> Who is a part of Leox's uh, blunt rotation? Quickly. Reginald Cole. Orla. <laughs> Reginald Cole and Orla. <laughs> I mean, okay, it maybe spoilers for the Fallen Star. Maybe if Orla had been hotboxing with Leox, then she wouldn't have gotten leveled. I'm gonna, I would like to um, include Farzala Tarball into the blunt rotation. He's like, how so old? true. He's like, how old are you? And he's like, old enough. <laughs> So he's like, he's like, how old are you? He's like, how old are you? And he's like, fair point, take a seat. <laughs> oh my god. Did you say you wanted to add okay, did Sage, did you say someone else after? I said court. Okay. I thought you said Porter. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Wait, actually, you're right. with Porter. Are you kidding me? Are you so- kidding? <laughs> <laughs> no, because here's my thing about Porter is that when everybody gets hungry, he's like, I have got this. We are like so we're ready true. to go with the food. <laughs> I think I feel like Porter okay no because phase two of the high republic is just gonna be Porter after a af, after taking a hit from a blunt basically <laughs> just explaining what happened during like 150 years ago Reith is like tell me what happened Porter and he's like all right let's do this <laughs> he's like so so this this total milf right her last name was Roe so <laughs> Justina Ireland would write it too <laughs> Reetha's like, can you tell me about like what happened? And Porter's like, all right, give me one second. He pulls out a fucking rig and he's like, <laughs> all right. So Porter- there was this milf a couple, like a long time ago. And Reetha's like, should I be writing this down? He's like, yeah, probably. Okay, Porter Angle is doing bong hits on Starlight Beacon. And that's why he's not in the Fallen Star because he got kicked out. So Stellan was like, you can do this, but you just can't do it here. Also Porter Angle is fully doing that. And then he's like, why does it smell like that in here? That's crazy. <laughs> I have no idea who did that. It's so weird. Okay. They're like, we think one of the kids is like smoking on the station. He's like, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, that guy over there, mm, I want to check Reece, his a little you bit. You should check out Reed Silas. I don't know. He's got something to do. Reed Silas did okay, canonically drink alcohol the- underage. So... <laughs> Reed Silas is 1,000% the kid, though, who's terrified of getting a contact high. So he sees Porter smoking. He's like, I have to run. Otherwise, I'll get high. And I'll no, that's Emery. <laughs> Porter's like that Emery kid. He looks like he's, he's bad news. No, because Emery does this thing where he, like, he also gets, like, a placebo effect. So he'll see someone. He sees Leox smoke, and he's like, oh, I'm so fucked up right now. Reith is, no, Reith is the kid who also is fully like, wow, I've never been higher in my life. And it's like, you hit. A, you hit you hit it once. You had a bite down. of a you had a bite of a pot brownie. <laughs> Someone you know what he had half of a gummy and you said wow this he is had, a lot. He had one bite of a brownie and was like ew, <laughs> this tastes weird, guys. 
Reese is the kid who does a single shot and is like, I need to call every man I've ever been in love with. <laughs> okay, we've talked about this before on Rue Palps, but I do also fear that Reese Silas has the most, the face that is most, um, like, opportune to be blown smoke at. Like, I think that people are yeah. vaping at him. People are just really giving him an issue. Listen, he does think that vaping kills you. Yeah. He sees you. He's like, you're going to die from that. No, you I'm just saying. You are getting lung right now. I want, I want a world where Zine Morella lightly bullies Reese Silas. Um, and I think starting by blowing like smoke circles into his face is very funny. Who in the higher public is learning vape tricks? Keith <laughs> Trennis. Vape Crix is like, I lost my vape, guys. Where is my pen? No, Crix is a jewel. Crix has a YouTube channel dedicated to learning vape tricks and posting about it to his five followers. And he's like, no, guys, I'm like really big on the internet. It's like, yeah, okay, for sure. Definitely. I'm sorry. I like the idea. I'm sorry to keep this conversation going, but I really like the idea of uh, buckets of blood, like baking pot brownies in starlight. And then the the Starhopper crew thinking that they're like completely normal and eating all of them. Okay, I'm obsessed with the idea of Torben Buck being like, hey, Cantum, I think we should do something fun tonight. <laughs> I made brownies and Cantum's like, oh, you brought them like into your room, right? Like they're not in the kitchen. And he's like, ooh. Bad news on that. I just checked and they are completely gone. So we have a bit of a mystery on our hands. No, because Ram Jamaram. <laughs> oh, that's so. He's taking apart the microwave. He's got a wrench in hand. The microwave is in pieces on the counter right now. <laughs> the microwave is gone. Like it is like, what? like the pieces are all laid out. It's like a fucking unbuilt Lego set. No, they come to see it. They're like, how did you even like manage to do that? He was like, I always wanted to. I just had the time, you know? And then this is my thing too, is that Wreath had like a regular brownie, but does not, he's like, oh my God, there was weed in those. No, you guys, like I am freaking out right now. Like what if I'm high? And Dean's like, can you calm down? <laughs> Kelly, she's like, she's like, if you were high, you would have calmed down a little bit. Okay, here's what actually happened in the Fallen Star. Starlight Beacon is split in half and they're like, how did this happen? And Ram is like, um... <laughs> So I like a couple days ago, I was just, I got guys. a little carried away with the wrench and it fell apart. <laughs> no, that, no, that's how Chance, Yaro, and Nan got out of their prison cell. It wasn't by anything <laughs> they did. Ram was just like in the, in the ceiling fucking shit up. He's in the walls. Ram <laughs> is in the walls. Help, Ram's in the walls, guys. It's like, it's like those, like how, like those situations where it's like, there's like, when like a cat or something will get into the wall and like how do we get the cat out of the wall that is that that is my au where they don't leave they don't leave to go to corellia soon enough so it's wreath and comac trying to figure out how to get ram out of the walls the idea of 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 zine rala trying to get ram out of the wall is the funniest thing i've ever I do think that she would get like pots and pans and start like banging <laughs> on the wall. She's trying to scare him out. No, literally, she's like, okay, you go to that vent down there and you wait, and I'm gonna bang these really loudly at this set. And she like bangs him and ram is just like fuck runs <laughs> the other way. She's like, here, Wreath, hold this. You're gonna catch him in this box, and I'm gonna bang. Hold this butterfly net and hope it catches him when he comes out of the air vent. I do also think 
on the subject of getting stoned with the higher public crew, Elsa a man would be the worst person to smoke weed with on planet Earth. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm from I'm from California. I'm from the heart of California where there are some people that you should not be getting high with because they're the worst human beings on earth. No. I can say with with full confidence, Elsa a man is like, no, 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 babe, babe, babe. So an NFT, it's real money. Like it's definitely no. like, he's mansplaining cryptocurrency. <laughs> No, because I fear that he's either mansplaining cryptocurrency or he takes one blow and he's like, you guys know Avar? She's like, so, and Stellan is sitting so right next true. to him like, please, you're, I'm, I'm going to shit and fart and die if you keep saying this, please stop. He's really like, do you guys think, I mean, she's single, right? I could probably do, I could probably pull that, right? And Stellan's like, please be quiet. I don't want to talk to you ever again. Oh, so is our man like- from the Bay Area? Yes. Yeah. So, so definitively. And he's from the Bay Area. He's fucking from Marin. He's fucking from Marin. Elzer Man is from Marin, but if you ask him, he'd be like, Yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area. And it's like, Can you be specific about where? And he's like, No. He's like, No, I can't actually. You ask him if he's ever been in an Oakland City bus. And he's like, I have never set foot on public transportation in my entire life, but I know what it's like. Elzer Man is like, I'm from the Bay Area. And he means he's been to Golden Gate Park once. (laughs) He said, I know what's up there. I know what's going on. I do also think that he'd be the type where he's either mansplaining crypto or he is telling you like the world's worst synopsis of a random Western philosopher from like intro to political thought. No, he is. He is like, so like, have you guys ever heard of Thoreau? <laughs> you guys ever read Walden? Like, I'm just wondering. <laughs> Walden. No, also, he's going to fucking the Ghirardelli chocolate factory. And that is his, like, I went into the city. Fuck you. No, okay, literally, literally, he is, he's wearing a flat top hat. He's going to the Ghirardelli chocolate factory. And he's like, I am literally from the Bay Area. In what fucking reality? Elzar Mann went to a historically women's college as a fucking graduate student. He's you know, a graduate it's... student in nothing important. Like, I don't know what field he chose, but it's literally completely irrelevant. But at every party he goes to, he also, he's a graduate May student. I suggest art history. So true. He also, he only goes to parties with undergrads. He's going to like a party with like seniors and a fraternity. And he's like, I miss this place. And they're like, who the fuck are you? It's so funny. We not... like Elzar Man, believe it or not. You know, it's, it's really funny how the fact that I've, I have basically, I've been to California like twice. I've lived on the East Coast my entire life and I went to commuter college. So I'm just like, what I don't understand. Now, I I have a very important question to ask. Um, Of the museums in San Francisco, which one does Elzar Man take you on on the first date? Because I know, I know that it's the DeYoung Museum and it's the African Art Wing. And he talks about it like he's been studying for literal years and he's wrong about every single exhibit. I'm laughing so hard. I have a headache. <laughs> okay. You know what? No. And sorry, Virgin Elzar Man versus Chad Astalamaru, who's like, yeah, I actually did read a book about this before we came here. So yeah, this is actually, no, he's going to the Oakland, he's going to the Oakland Museum of History, what was it called? Fuck. Oakland History Museum? Anyways, he's going to the one in Oakland, it, which yeah. fucking slays. No, I, I do think that. I also, may I also posit first date is MoMA and he tries to explain to you why Jackson Pollock is really cool, actually. Like, he's, you don't understand him like I do. Shut up. Damn, we are really, also, no, he's him, like, if you he's ask like, him how to get on BART, he doesn't know what that is. He's like, look, he's like, look, I, he's like, look, no, 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 this, this painting right here. So here's how he did this. So he took, and Avar's like, I could have made this. 
Avar is not from the Bay Area, though. No, no absolutely not. Okay, I also will pause it. Stellan is from like Michigan. No, Stellan would be from Michigan. Is he from UP? No, I was only like nowhere, no, nowhere anywhere north. Not northern oh. Michigan at all. I feel like he was born in Michigan and then moved, but he was like, yeah, you can take the boy out of Michigan. We can't take the Michigan out of the boy. I do think Avar Chris. Uh, I be- I believe her to be born and raised on like the East Coast, East Coast. I okay, historically I would, women's college. <laughs> I would suggest Bostonian Avar Chris. So because she just has the she attitude of right. someone from Boston. She goes on a Did lot you- of runs, and she's gonna let me, and she's gonna make sure that you know about that. Absolutely, every morning Instagram post on the live stream. <laughs> Did, you- Did you pack the ataraxia and have it yet? <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are you saying to me right now on this day? Bostonian Avar Chris, I'm obsessed with that concept. I also firmly believe that she's the type of person where if you were to say you're from Boston, she will clarify where and then decide if you're actually from Boston. She's really <laughs> defensive about her. I like that versus Elzar, who's like, I'm from the Bay Area. You know, I can't tell you where. Yeah, I'm from the Bay Area. My favorite parts are, are definitely the Gear Daily Chocolate Factory. Elzar is like, like this is, I almost said something so inappropriate. I can't do this. I'm so sorry, guys. Elzar man is obsessed with going to fucking Alcatraz. Elzar man is taking Avar Chris on a date to Sausalito County to go look at military bases. Guys, no, because because here's my problem. I do believe that in in my modern AU, Elzar man wasn't did have a phase in college where he was like an amateur ghost hunter. So he was like, I want to go to Alcatraz and film and see if we catch any ghosts. And Avar and Stellan are there with him. It's like fucking ghost adventures. <laughs> No, because Avar and Selen read about Alcatraz. They're like, hey, this is like, like there's some fucked up shit happening. He's like, yeah, yeah he's the like, ghost. No, and they're like, no, no that's how like, we met. He's like, no, no, no. I don't want to know because I don't want to be biased if we have an experience. This fucking conversation's incomprehensible. I'm so sorry. I'm just thinking of a Bay Area Elzar man now and it's ruined my life. Berkeley boy Elzar man. <laughs> no, but you're so right. You are so, it's so right. so heartbreaking and tragic, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Pieces are coming together suddenly. <laughs> Emeryville Elzar man fuck you fuck you Elzar anyways I'm so sorry I'm so if he goes so out sorry. of state and someone asks him where he's from he'll say the Bay Area but he's like but I've been down to LA a lot okay I I've been around California for sure Shut here's a picture up. of me in the Hollywood sign <laughs> he goes to profile? Venice okay. Beach and he's like this is the <laughs> nicest beach I've ever been to you guys super low-key super neat He's on fucking Sunset Boulevard. Like, let me take you to a really out of the out of the way spot. And it's like, okay, sure. Okay, no. Elzar Man's Tinder profile is a painting from MoMA that he doesn't know what it's called, but he'll pretend that he does. Him in front of the Golden Gate Bridge. Him in front of the Hollywood sign. A random assorted piece of food from a different culture that he cannot name and has never talked to anyone from that culture. And his group photo on Alcatraz <laughs> This group photo on Alcatraz Island and it, it's with Avar and Stellan and someone is like, wow, you look really close to the people in this picture. And he's no, like, because, oh, don't, okay. don't worry. I just wanted to prove I have friends. I don't know if you bitches ever have been to, to Alcatraz, but there is like an area that is like, you have to go like up this hill um, and it's like a very flat top area. That is where Elsa is taking that picture and it's so, the most fucking annoying so thing. True. I'm so sorry. I'm no, so sorry. No, genuinely. I also believe uh, if he has a tattoo, I don't know what it is, but he's from the Barrier, so I have a few ideas. But he posts a picture arrow. of just the 
Sorry, Noah. Attacked viciously. It's a wave. No. no, it's a wave, you guys. Come on. It's a <laughs> wave, yeah. or it's a or it's a random, it's a random phrase in I in Japanese. And he doesn't know how to pronounce it. He just says what it means. Also, with a kanji tattoo is so violent, but it's, it's can someone get Charles Soul on the line? Does anyone have Charles Soul's number? Can we get this? Can we get him to confirm? I love that we've just spent the last 20 minutes dragging Elzar Man through the mud. <laughs> no, sorry, no Claire. <laughs> Here's sorry, the thing. Okay, sorry, I know you wouldn't believe This is not a hate against Elzar Man. I know you would believe me if I told you, but I actually do like his character very much. I just unfortunately now have to believe that he is at Berkeley um, and he goes to college there. And also, uh, I know that he wants to go to grad school for art history, but he's a business major. I have Berkeley School I, of Finance. Here's my horrible thing I think that Elzar Man went for art history, but his scholarship made it so he had to do business administration as his, as his minor. Not that him is, having his first gay awakening in the Berkeley dorm room. <laughs> so I actually have to leave. Um, thanks, you guys, for coming on. This is so, <laughs> so sorry to everyone who has to hear this who isn't from this part of the world. Wow, I wonder what that's like. Guys, I have a friend who goes to Berkeley and is a business major and actually <gasps> looks like Elzar Man. That just is Elzar Man. That's not your friend anymore. Okay. I, so I, true. One other thing about Elzar Man, he could also be from <gasps> Chicago is the problem. Yes. Okay. And if but, he is from Chicago, he's so picky about who says they're from Chicago. Yes. He has opinions about deep dish pizza, but not in like a poser way. And also followed by all of his like Tinder profile pictures are from Navy Pier, just different parts of Navy Pier. <laughs> Yeah, like six different angles of the same place. Obsessed the with fucking, that. The fucking Ferris wheel. Sorry. I would like to propose a concept. Okay, I have to ask if this you... question. <laughs> I know we know we I know we can't keep doing this. However, 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 <laughs> UCLA undergraduate Belzetta for and Ruth Silas. Stop. Okay. Actually, no, actually, actually so, that is true. I have I have a entire scenario in my head <laughs> in which. Bell Zedifar and Reed Silas are both from Southern California, <laughs> but Reed Silas is from LA and Bell Zedifar is from the Inland Empire. <laughs> and they both- I'm gonna go, lose my mind. This is something that I've literally thought about. Write it down. Write it. Write the stick right I, now. Okay, I'm not guys, asking. Everyone keep, everyone keep refreshing the AO3 page. <laughs> Also, and then I will be done with this, I swear to God. But after all of his life and times in the Bay Area, Elzar Mann moves to Burbank, California. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm done. I swear I'm done. I've only been to California two times and both were to San Diego. So I don't know anything about anything else. I would like to make one other argument about Elzar Mann. I do think he um, unfortunately did the fun thing of um, moving from California to Colorado. Boulder City resident Elzar Mann. No. No, because why do you guys know so much about so many fucks? No, okay. Okay. Boulder resident Elzar Mann. Other man in fucking the Denver International Airport. He's getting man seeing the big blue bitch. Lucifer? I'm sick of him. No, Elzar Man goes to Boulder and he's like, I don't have a Coke problem. I'm a Coke enthusiast. Wow, that's a series wrap on Noah, guys. Yeah, they're going to put me back in the cardboard box where I stay between episodes. The time has come. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same cardboard box that he used to catch Ram Javarin when he comes out of the air vent. <laughs> and the bo- okay, do we think that Zine is going to capture with pots and pants or is it a box and a stick that says free spare parts <laughs> under the box and he runs at it and it falls on top? Well, they're not. It's like a screwdriver and a wrench and a box. <laughs> 
they're trying to get it's him out of the wall. They're not... and he's like, "Holy shit!" I have to grab that. <laughs> he's like, "They don't let me use that because they say I'm too young. I use it anyway, but I'd like to have it be above board." I remember Emma said was going to be about canon queer characters in Star Wars, and we're 45 minutes into reacting about which Star Wars characters do which drugs. And that is a series wrap on RuPaul's Padres ever being a vulgar transmission. <laughs> Yeah, I think the guest host invitations are going to go sharply declining after that one. <laughs> I'm going to be like, Claire, do you guys want, you want to have a guest on the next week's pod? Just like, no, we're never doing this again. Guest after hosts they, are a no-go for the rest of the After they said that about Elzar Man, who I do love, just I just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. I, did, I was not saying anything because I don't know anything about the Bay Area. After Marlon, I went in a 25-minute rant about why Elzar Man is from the Bay Area in all the worst No, ways. be quiet. We are not I going into it. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> that, was, that was all me. Burbank, California resident Elzar I can't. That's so funny. I think I think that Tarek and Sarah are from Baltimore. Baltimore pizza enjoyers? <laughs> Tarek and Sarah are like, have you tried Lido pizza? <laughs> I love that I'm the only person on this call who's like, ah, love a lead over Man, that's so crazy. I sure do love um the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Don't, if you fucking bring up Hannibal, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Reed Silas is from Wolf Trap, Virginia. Colmack is from Wolf Trap. That's where he ran into the woods, actually. That's what I'm saying. He ran into Will Graham, who was in an encephalitis-induced haze while he was running into the woods. Midnight Comac Horizon Vitus set with... in Wolfchap in Wolfchap, Virginia, instead of Corellia. Comac Vitus with encephalitis. Encephalitis. Yeah. This our, is it. Yeah. This is how we get the. This is how we get the. <laughs> this is how we get the Stelmac anagram AU. And that's a series wrap on Ollie, actually. <laughs> I'm sensing some beef between the Rupalms podcast hosts. Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Remember to go listen to RuPalp's Race for more fun Star Wars conversations. Next week, we'll be talking about the new novel Brotherhood, as well as some of our thoughts and theories for the Kenobi series. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye.